0: Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew and I talked with Entrepreneur, trash entrepreneur, Simon Shetty of Hygea. Now, Hygea is part of the Risen Incubator, that stands for the Resource Innovation and Solutions Network Incubator here at ASU. And we talked with Simon as part of the Future Out Loud podcast and the ASU contribution to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Disruptive Innovation Festival podcast listeners will remember that we recorded some podcast episodes for the Disruptive Innovation Festival in 2016, and we are so excited to be contributing again in 2017. So Hygieia is a company that is explicitly engaging new technologies that fit into the circular economy to help us waste less waste. And we had a really interesting conversation with Simon. Now, this conversation happened across state lines. Simon is located in Northern California, while we are, of course, on ASU's Tempe campus. So we used Zoom to record this conversation, and we were really pleased with how it turned out. So we'd love to hear from you. You know, what did you think about this conversation, particularly since we had to Zoom it in instead of having Simon in our office? You can let us know what you think about the Future Out Loud podcast on our um, Facebook page, Future Out Loud or on Twitter at Future Out Loud. You can find old episodes of Future Out Loud on our website, futureoutloud.org. And of course, if you're not already subscribed to the Future Out Loud podcast, you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or SoundCloud or wherever else you find your fine podcasts. So without further ado on with Simon Shetty from Hygieia as part of the Disruptive Innovation Festival. Hi, Andrew. Hi,
1: Heather. Hi, Simon. Hi, Heather.
0: I am so happy to have you here. Just for our podcast listeners, uh, Simon is joining us from Silicon Valley through the magic of, and I'm not getting paid by them, but Zoom. Um, which is allowing us to record the conversation and we can see Simon just like he's here in our recording studio slash office um, and Simon your company is called Hy- Hygia.
1: yes Hygia is the name
0: excellent and you're part of the incubator here at ASU the, the, the
2: Risen incubator which so this is actually a test to see whether you know what RISN stands for
1: yeah um, it's Resource Innovation and Solutions Network. Excellent,
0: perfect. Excellent. Yeah. You pass. Yeah. I'm so glad you. Said that I, can remember.
1: I know. I can remember. <laughs> right. do, I, do, I get, do I get a candy? Oh, yeah.
2: yeah totally. we'll, we'll, we'll send you a virtual one.
1: That's
0: right. <laughs> so tell us what your tell us what Hygia is doing.
1: So Hygia is a company uh, founded with the mission of eliminating waste from waste management, uh, and uh, by that mission statement, we mean. Uh, both the literal waste and the financial waste that companies incur uh, in the process of waste management It is pretty ironic to say that the process of waste management today is itself wasteful because there is uh, Not a lot of like cutting-edge technology being used in the process so uh, the the part where we focus on eliminating waste from waste management the literal waste is by uh by increasing diversion from uh, landfills or the waste that goes into landfill to uh, others, other uh, sinks like uh, recycling, recycling or reusing it. Uh, and one of the major elements that is missing in this entire process is that people right now have the will, but there is not a major way to do it. And we are technologically creating that way by improving sorting technologies
2: so so by waste are you thinking predominantly of household waste here the sort of stuff that would usually go into landfill sites
1: yeah uh, again it depends on the implementation of this because uh, right now uh, most of the waste is going from the waste generator the waste generator's job is just to dispose the waste and then there is a middle agency which takes the waste and uh, either resells it or composts it or does whatever it deems fit What we want to do is basically shift the onus of waste segregation itself on the waste generator. Uh, And we are starting with enterprises because most companies today feel the need, and most public institutions like ASU, um, feel the need to uh, be socially aware and socially responsible uh, to manage their waste well. Uh,
2: I was going to say, so I have to tell you at this point. I, this is particularly exciting to me because I suffer from recycling anxiety. So I, I, mm-hmm. I so I'm one of these people that I'll say eat it in a cafeteria, or I'll, I'll have to dispose of something, and you're sort of you're given this array of different places you can dispose of the stuff that mm-hmm. you've got. And it it really stresses me out, especially when you go to these places where you have a a wall display of about 30 different items and about 20 different buckets. And I cannot cope with that. So everything just ends up going in the one bin. So Mm -hmm. anything that you can do to make that easier is going to be good.
1: Yeah. So uh, what we are focusing on is uh, the ultimate goal is definitely the ultimate goal is to uh, do a lot of stuff in waste management itself. But one step in that goal is in is to improve uh, sorting technology to reduce uh, to reduce waste that goes into landfill. In other words, to increase diversion from landfill. And um, one of the ways we want to do it is by bringing the uh, the modern the advances in machine vision and automation that we see in other areas like manufacturing and material handling and autonomous vehicles, we want to bring this into the waste management industry where we can use a cluster of other technologies that is already proven in other industries to uh, improve sorting. And on a personal level, uh, we also have plans of developing technologies which may be a combination of hardware and software or software only that, uh, that will help You know, uh, waste or recycling conscious people like you to make smarter decisions. It'll act as a tool for that. Thank you. <laughs> the
2: smarter
0: and yeah. less anxiety-provoking uh, yes, decisions. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. So we, we actually ought to ask our, our listeners whether anybody else suffers from this or whether it's just my unique foible that I can't cope with all those choices. Yes, this would yeah. be a good thing <laughs> right. to
0: tweet at us. But, but
2: presumably I, with your, your technology, I, what I'm imagining in my mind is something like a conveyor belt with a, a camera going onto it and sophisticated algorithms that work out What different types of things you've got there, then some technology for selectively removing them off that conveyor?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be along those lines. Uh, It's not just going to be the technologies that you talked of. Um, Some may be missing. A lot more, maybe uh, a lot more other technologies might be present, which I may not be able to talk about right now because it's in development. Mm -hmm. Uh, But think of it, think of it like a black box you have um, in a in on a campus like ASU and uh, all the waste that ASU generates goes into this and the machine or the that black box is responsible for uh, segregating it into how many ever uh, streams the the state mandates for example i think in Arizona and Ohio it's uh, uh, predominantly landfill and recyclables but in California it's compost landfill and uh, uh, recyclables right
2: right yeah so Tell us a bit about the economics of this. And and again, in my very naive brain, I can imagine stuff just piling into landfill as being an economic loss. There's value there that isn't being realized. Mm -hmm. Um, How big is that that value loss and how much can you extract out of it, do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, so following simple laws of physics, um, everything that we dispose, I mean, the 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 amount we dispose is directly proportional to the amount we consume and uh, the way to I'm not talking like technologically here first let me take a step back and talk a little philosophically here Um, if you if you want to make sure that you generate less waste it has to basically be three things that you need to do one is uh, either you need to reduce consume consumption so your waste reduces or you need to reuse the waste you generate for example like you, you you drink a bottle of sprite and then reuse the bottle for uh, as a water bottle or something like that or you recycle things uh, where probably you convert a plastic bottle into a decorative material or a vase or something like that mm-hmm. uh, observing the trends of human consumption for the past 5 decades or even a century uh, it's easy to note that the consumption has always increased so that's to do with the economic climate and many other factors. So unless I think I personally think I mean others might differ, but I personally think that it is uh, a, it is less likely that we uh, slow down the rate of consumption as human population increases, um, unless you are a big institution that has uh, you know control over the levers of an economy, probably like a bank or a monopoly business, none of which IGIS. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, So the only two controls that we have over there is reuse or recycle. So, And even inside reuse or recycle, for both to happen, we need better sorting technologies. We need to know what to send to landfill and what not to. And uh, as far as the current situation is concerned, uh, there are reports available out there which uh, speak out that about 60% of what is sent to landfill today uh, even in developed countries like the United States, could have otherwise been um, uh, diverted to 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 others other other places. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So as we think about um, as we think then about what Hygieia is doing and how it fits into the. The circular economy, and that of course is you know we're we're recording this as part of the disruptive innovation festival that focuses on the circular economy. How do you, from a business perspective, I'm really interested to know how how do you fit Hygia into um, whether it's metropolitan you know or, or uh, city level um, you know governments governance public works kinds of things. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know how yeah how guess, do you fit it in yes. Where? yeah where's your market thank you that would have been <laughs> simpler
1: yeah so uh, we are initially focusing on um, private and public institutions like ASU mm-hmm. who uh, pay a lot of attention towards sustainability initiatives and want to be like the, the pioneers in, in cutting-edge tech in in those areas but then uh, when I talk about what is it that is uh what is in it for uh, institutions like ASU? Well, depending upon state, uh, different states have different mandates, of course, but um, seeing California, I think the waste, uh, the waste collection companies who come and collect waste from these campuses, they charge the highest for landfill waste. Uh, they charge slightly less or, or significantly less uh, for recyclable waste and then they charge almost nothing or a very tiny amount, I guess, for uh, compost. Mm -hmm. So looking at this, there are two things, two points that I'd like to uh, make over here. Number one, I I was in talks with with the facilities manager or the environmental services manager at San Jose Airport um, and a few other uh, big companies in the Silicon Valley, influential companies in Silicon Valley. Uh, What they unanimously say is that people don't know what to dispose in which bin yeah
2: uh, like me. So, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah and recently i was talking to a uh, to a professor who has uh, who has a phd and all that but then uh, if he is in a hurry to catch a flight in an airport uh, he doesn't care about which bin it goes into because he personally th- there is no personal incentive for him right, so, right. yeah uh, so the point i'm trying to make is because they just dispose the uh, waste haywire without caring which bin it should go to Mm
2: -hmm.
1: there is a lot of waste contamination that happens and at the end at the end when when the waste management company takes it uh, from the campus and goes into the material recovery facility and puts it on the bed Mm -hmm. all three streams look the same Yep. yeah Uh, that is basically defeating the entire purpose so what they do is they end up charging the same amount for all three streams
2: so interesting I I've seen this and my my daughter works or used to work for a fast food chain where they they had different bins mm-hmm. um and according to her it's anecdotal but she said at the end of the day they just put it all in the same bin because it was easier for them so they they mm-hmm. came to thinking that they were recycling exactly. and actually they weren't because it was just easier not to
1: yeah yeah and uh i i just you know casually asked uh, some people who are very seasoned in facilities management well at the end of the day if you, uh, if, if the waste management company charges you equally across all three streams, why even have the three bin system? Why do you spend money on three bins? Right. Just keep it like a single bin. Right. And the answer that I get is because the state and the city mandate it. So it's become more of a compliance thing than a real, right. you know,
2: that's it but but I guess from your perspective if you can convince them that there's an economic advantage to actually utilizing those mm-hmm. those bins yeah economic advantage so actually just thinking about this I can imagine if there wasn't an economic advantage to the, cons- um, to the, the organization that, that's disposing of stuff but you can com- um, persuade the people that are sorting that that there's an economic advantage in using your sorting technology there you go yes. Well, mm-hmm. yes
1: yes and, and looking at that side um, If you look at all these materials recovery facilities today, most of them, I I would say about 80% of them, even in the United States, are manual, completely manual. Uh, Imagine the amount of occupational risk and occupational hazard those people face, uh, the people who sort this waste.
0: So wait, when you say manual, just to make sure we're clear, you're talking about garbage on a conveyor belt and a person standing there and sorting it as it goes by?
1: Yes, there might be some primitive pre-sorting mechanisms that like they blow in a gust of air and all paper in that, uh, on that belt flies away, but I wouldn't call that intelligent sorting for the 21st century. So, so,
2: so now you're making me feel bad. So you, you mean when I put my landfill thing into the, the recyclable bin, there's some poor person that's looking out for that and having to reach out and pull it out.
0: Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. One more question. Uh, this is blew my mind. Okay. So all of the single stream recycling that, for example, the city of Phoenix does, and I was just at my daughter's university over the weekend, and they have these big, wonderful bins of single stream. With single stream recycling, single stream still means a some poor soul is standing at a conveyor belt at the end of the day sorting recycling.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. What? And if he what? and if he and if he does a bad job, it all goes to landfill.
0: This is the 21st century. <laughs> this is crazy.
2: You need to hurry yeah. up. <laughs> With yeah. the technology.
0: Okay. So, okay. So, Hygia is using different hardware and software solutions to automate single stream not just recycling separation. Mm-hmm but separating single stream garbage, compost, recycling, and then within recycling to the, you know, numbers one, two, three, four, five, six.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Okay, well, so that's magic. Yeah. How, where are you in terms of developing your technology and testing it?
1: Yeah, we already have uh, uh, an end-to-end design ready. Uh, we know what should happen after what and what and then we ran a bunch of simulations and it works fine. Uh, the point that we are at right now is that, um, you know, th- these, this is not uh, a simple software technology that you can spend, uh, you know, uh, 10 grand on and then scale like, uh, scale like crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. These involve like real tangible hardware which cost about, you know, tens of thousands or sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. So right now, we are uh, putting together the financial resources, which we already have, uh, and we are getting started on building the first pro- the first device and then running a pilot with that. And, and
0: uh, to give us an idea, what is the capacity of that device going to be? And how do you even measure that? I'm so excited. I'm learning <laughs> so much about garbage today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you
0: measure? Is it in like, like cubic? meters or like how do you, how what's your unit of measure and then what's the capacity of your first machine
1: yeah so we uh, we basically measure it uh not exactly in cubic meters because uh, we are we are not focusing on uh, you know dumpster kind of things because what, what we thought definitely go into dumpsters uh but then we are looking at uh, items per items per minute or items per hour uh, those kinds of metrics, as of now,
2: uh-huh. because
1: uh, depending upon, I mean, if you if you replace the dumpster that uh, is at the end of it with a bigger dumpster, then the capacity of our machine increases uh, proportionally with that, right? right? So, so yeah. you're
2: actually. It sounds like you're quite scalable. Once you've got that base technology, yeah. yes,
1: yes, yeah. And imagine the amount of things that we can do with the data that we gather. For example, a very simple example is. Um, campuses these days are very, very conscious about what their students consume or what people on that campus consume, mm-hmm. uh, and because now we have access to all the data uh, that is coming in the in the waste stream, and we literally need to identify that waste to sort it. We know the trends of consumption, and then we can say, hey, um, this is th- these you know people people in your uh, campus are consuming a lot of carbonated drinks and. You might want to take some measures about that and we can go to schools schools are the elementary and through high school they are most influenced by such data
2: so, so let me ask you this on because this really fascinates me and you may not be able to answer this because you're dealing with proprietary technology within your, your black box Uh, Mm -hmm. But I'm fascinated with how finely you can identify things. And I'm thinking about what we can now do with facial recognition. Mm -hmm. We can be very precise with how cameras and algorithms identify people. And I'm assuming you could do that with not just sort of five or six different categories of waste items, but hundreds of waste items. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you could do that, you then get very detailed profiling on consumer habits. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm assuming... Uh something that may be possible or maybe is already possible
1: yeah I mean uh, let me put it this way um, we will be able to see much more details than uh, waste is being studied today
2: right okay right
1: like 10 orders of ma- magnitude more details than that
2: so, so I, I've got to make a, what may sound like a really weird connection here, but we have folks at ASU that are looking at, at biomarkers in wastewater as mm-hmm. indicators of the, the health of populations. Yes. And mm-hmm. it strikes me that what you're doing is parallel to that. You're not looking yeah. at biomarkers, but you're looking at, at consumption markers, which. Yes of a whole new realm of of research.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you can get so much information about what people are consuming, what their habits are. And for me, it opens a whole bunch of public health opportunities, but it also opens a whole can of privacy worms. It
2: does. Yeah.
0: So how, um, is that something, I'm going to totally put you on the spot right now, but is that something that you're thinking about or is that like for, like, let's, think about the tech now and then like think about those implications down the road?
1: So it's something that we are thinking parallelly because uh, right. uh, we are trying to, of course, we cannot go about, as a small company, we cannot go about solving every single problem with, with with a minute change in the technology each time. We'll have to prove it in one market and then move towards the other. But we have definitely scoped out all the markets and the necessary uh, tweaks that we should do in the technology. And we are focusing on making it as modular as possible so that people can buy a base product and then get add-ons onto it, just like, just like uh, you know, you get cars or other products these days. Okay. So, yeah. Simon,
0: you mentioned that you've got your funding, which is very exciting, and you're in the process of building your first machine. When are you going to be able to start uh, making it work
1: yeah so we are taking a step-by-step approach over here um, the first of course uh, to get to a a production level uh, wo- the, a the production level uh, functioning device of this it, with all the certifications it will take some time but then we are looking uh, to deploy a pilot which functionally does this um, in the next few months probably in the next couple quarters yeah
0: Wow, and where is that going to be? At your office in Silicon Valley, there?
1: Uh, Until now, the the institute, I mean, the campus that has given the most attention to such uh, technology is ASU. So I don't know if, for proximity reasons, will be will we be putting it in at ASU or any any local uh, facility over here. But then I'd like to mention that yeah, there are people who really want to subscribe to this thing and. Uh, th- another value that add that they see is um, the buildings and the campuses these days are LEED certified uh, mm-hmm. and it, they, they aspire to be LEED certified so uh, these kind of technologies which improve sustainability ratings give them um, you know more points on such on a, on such a certification and there are benefits of those certifications which I won't talk about you know it's easily available material
2: sure and and i think it goes beyond there as well so i know that asu have got commitments to going sort of beyond sustainability to being sort of circular with how they, they use things at, at some point in the future um, mm-hmm. of course that that's partly because of the philosophy of the university but it's also as a way of attracting students who really are looking for an institution that, that has these these commitments these social commitments so that right. becomes very powerful absolutely yeah
1: and imagine uh, just take a holistic view and imagine if uh, because we are collecting all this data right and we know uh, we know how much percentage of asu's waste has been uh, recycled how much percentage has been sent to landfill and then we can draw a map about you know uh, what's their diversion rate and imagine if asu as a campus is there and then you know a few 100 miles away there's stanford and then there's all these other campuses imagine if the technology exists in all these campuses and each of them enter into a competition with each other to yes. be the best
0: well ASU number one in innovation
1: but
2: also number one in the circular economy if we go this way that's yeah, right so. maybe number one <laughs>
0: yeah. garbage sorting i <laughs> right. love it right. absolutely so hey yeah. okay. so in the next few months you're going to have a machine ready to go mm-hmm. and no pressure but when could consumers expect to be able to buy your machines and your services?
1: So uh, you're talking about uh, household consumers, like people people in residential complexes,
0: or industrial consumers?
1: Oh, Okay, uh, yeah, I, I would say I, I would say definitely in the uh, in the next uh, in the next after after the next couple quarters at least. But then we at Hygieia really encourage. Uh, such consumers, if they want to be development partners, so they can partner with us so that we can jointly, uh, you know, we can test our machines in their campuses and then they get some benefits out of it uh, while they get a head start uh, compared to the others, that's one thing, but then even in production and in the future, they can get some perks for being our development partners and, you know, first commitments. So we do welcome that as early as today, such partnerships. Yeah.
0: so if uh people wanted to go on your website it's mm-hmm. um it's hygiea.tech is that right
1: yeah it's h-y-g-i-e-a dot t-e-c-h tech excellent,
0: excellent. and yeah. i hope that you are flooded with you know inquiries based on yeah this. yeah yeah i
1: should i should mention though that um uh, uh, what what I just talked about is not yet listed on the website as a product as of today, uh, because we do have another parallel product that uh, is listed on the website, which is in the market already. Uh, so we are working, uh, as I speak, we are working on including this uh, sorting technology and circular economy uh, product into our website uh, as soon as possible as well. Great.
2: Okay, so watch this space.
0: Watch this space, Hygieia.tech. All right, Simon, thank you very, very much for being with us on the Future Out Loud podcast.
1: It's my pleasure. Okay, Okay. thank you. Bye. Thank you, bye.
0: For more Where That Came From, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Heer created our music. Esmeralda Parker is our production assistant. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.